Hello, this is Marielle Dodato. And I'm Vincent Salomino. And welcome to NJ Voices. So today we have a really cool guest, Jess Alamo. Jess wears a number of hats. She does comedy in Asbury Park. Uh, she was the founder of the Asbury Park Women's Convention. She writes a column on the Tri-City News newspaper. And she is the founder and president of the Asbury Park Young Dems. Jess, welcome to NJ Voices. Thanks for having me, uh, Vincent and Marielle. I appreciate it. <laughs> So, I wasn't kidding, you know. <laughs> I'm, gen- I'm genuinely thankful to be here. <laughs> so I, I think it's interesting because you are involved in politics. We do mm-hmm. a lot of political stuff together. Yeah. And then you're involved in comedy as well. And so these are both really male-dominated industries. And so would you say mm-hmm. there are any similarities between the two, like in terms of like how women are treated or like how your experiences like yeah, being a minority? For sure. I mean it's it's um it's just like any other any other industry. Um, that's male dominated. It's, it's, you know, you have to be that much funnier than the male counterparts, um, to get booked at all. So like, if you just look at any show that you'll maybe start to notice now, if you look at like lineups of of shows on flyers, I mean, sometimes they'll just throw a woman on. So it's like, like six dudes, one chick, which sounds like my weekend. (laughs) (laughs) Now we're cooking with grease. This wasn't the harassment podcast. So, real a quick aside, we actually did record a harassment podcast. If you listen to our our uh, our last episode about uh, the KKK in New Jersey, we ended the episode with talking about how like uh, I got groped on election night, and we were gonna talk about sexual harassment in politics. We ended up doing the episode. I started crying during it. It was a whole thing, very emotional, and then we couldn't save the file. It got corrupted. And we took it as a sign from the universe to just not publish it. <laughs> so one day when Vincent and I are famous and we have a Patreon that you can subscribe to, it will be a bonus episode. For now, um, we're just going to pretend that this never happened and move on with our with our roster of guests. It can still be a bonus episode if you want to Venmo me like 50 bucks. Anyone can listen to Mariel cry. It's, <laughs> it's possible. I cry for a lot less. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're just getting started. It's not for a lack of female comics. It's just um, a lot of guys are the ones who are booking the shows. And the w- women comics, are there's so many good ones, but I, I just don't think they're considered. I think it's like a, like a boys club. So Jess, uh, mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about yourself. How long have you been doing comedy? So I started doing comedy probably about three years ago. Um, I just went to an open mic. Um, it was something that I had wanted to do for my entire life. So one night I uh, got drunk enough. I'm just kidding. <laughs> one night I just felt like doing it. So I did it. That was about three years ago. It was actually at Porta in Asbury Park. When I was a kid, I realized I wanted to be a comedian. When I was like 12 or 13, I put on Sarah Silverman, Jesus is Magic. <laughs> and um, it and back then that was like insane. The stuff she was saying was like, no one was saying this shit. And um, I just remember thinking like, holy shit, like this is something else. And um I, I always looked up to her um, because of basically that one special that I used to used to watch. Um, and I will always love George Carlin just because he's not even just a comedian. He's like a linguist. He's he's a genius. No, but I think those are really like profound answers mm-hmm. because those are people who like to at least some degree have figured out a way to mix politics with comedy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I think I'm different in the sense like, yeah, I mean, a, a lot of comics have done it. 
Um, some not super, didn't end super well, like, for Hal Franken. However, I, I think it's, it's different for me in the sense that I'm doing the politics first and also trying to break into comedy, whereas I'm not a comedian trying to break into politics. You were uh, one of the, the team members that helped to organize the first Women's March in Asbury Park. Actually, when the Women's March happened, it was actually three years ago today, um, I wasn't involved. I just showed up. I knew I had to go, and I couldn't, I have no friends. So I went by <laughs> myself, and like, I was so moved. Um, I marched, and I stood up front at the stage, and I listened to these women who I would eventually work with and organize with, but that day to me they were like these these you know heroes i mean they were larger than life i just thought they were the coolest and it was actually after the asbury park women's march that i decided to get involved so i, I did and it, i know when i first started out um organizing asbury i started the stand against hate rally and the general consensus from a lot of uh local organizers was like who who the hell is this chick like who the hell does she think she is because you guys know there's like egos and there's a lot of um, control issues for events and things like Absolutely. that. Yeah, like it's just part of it. And in a way they, they were right because I was so green. I, I probably stepped on some toes, but I, I had the best intentions. To be honest, it's, it's nice that some of those people who were doubting me now want to work with me and organize with me. So um, it's come, come into an interesting circle. But no, um, you should have done your research. I did not do the Women's March. Historically, comedians are saying things that are controversial. Mm -hmm. They're not the first kind of people you think of as being politically correct. So how do you strike that balance? Do you feel a pressure to not tell certain jokes? or? A absolutely. Especially um, when I first started getting involved in politics and my show was in Asbury and I was doing you know local Asbury politics which is its own monster. Asbury politics are, are wild. It's like, it's, it's tough and it's, it's awesome, but it's its own thing. It's unlike any other, any other uh, town. When I started doing that, there was, I felt a bit of a spotlight on me because I'm standing up for different causes and I'm putting myself out there, you know, to help people. But at the same time, I have a microphone and I'm trying to make people laugh. I, I, I was nervous because if someone calls me out for something that I said when I was working through a joke or something that is actually a good joke and it just doesn't fall right with some people, that could take away my chance to help people in my other side of things. Um, so that does make me nervous and it's kind of the reason I don't totally let loose a lot in Asbury because it, you know, it's a little nerve wracking. I don't want to lose everything I've worked for because of a offending, because people are very sensitive and I... I as much as I think um, that's, you know, stupid, um, the reality is, you know, I say one wrong thing and, like, then I, I lose the vehicle I have to enact change. Especially out of context, too. I mean, you mm -hmm. can say something relatively innocent nowadays, but if someone hears that, takes it out of context, writes a whole story about it. Exactly. And people aren't interested in, in truth a lot of times. I don't know. I think good comedy is a reflection of real life and putting a mirror up to the ridiculousness of real life and politics and people i mean it's ridiculous and it's important to show that but a lot of people take themselves very seriously and that doesn't do well with me <laughs> so 
You you write a column for the Tri City News, which is a mm-hmm. weekly newspaper in the Asbury Park area. Yes, the Tri Cities. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the columns that you wrote that I caught was about cancel culture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? Um, I mean, I think it's ridiculous. Um, I think that everyone has the right to dislike something and be upset by something if you don't like it. That's you know you sh- you shouldn't like you shouldn't be pressured to like things. But no one should should have the power or try to have the power to, like, ban people from things. Because something that's offensive to one person is not offensive to the next person. I, I did that, did that um, column after I saw the Chappelle special, um, the newest one, which I thought was great. But some of the jokes I really didn't like. Like, his jokes about transgender people and the LGBT community, I thought were ignorant. Like, straight up ignorant. Um, however... That doesn't mean he's not a fucking genius. And uh, it just means that I didn't like those jokes and I felt like he could do better. Everyone can learn and everyone's growing. And you shouldn't cut people off from their growth and from, you know, finding their place because uh, you didn't like something they said. Right. Like, I think there's a difference between canceling someone like Harvey Weinstein. Of course. And then canceling someone like Dave Chappelle where it's like, especially with a lot of these issues, these are new conversations that the public... I think is having out loud with each other. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I know I have positions that I've changed like Mm -hmm. for myself, like, no, I think, I think we've all had like position changes on things. I think we've all learned. I think Mm -hmm. we've all grown in in different Mm -hmm. ways. And I think when you shut people out, it makes them not want to learn and it it makes them absolutely put up walls and get Mm -hmm. defensive. And so like, rather than, Mm -hmm. then, yeah, rather than just saying like, well, you're canceled because I didn't like the thing you said. And, and like people who have shitty opinions exist and you can't, cancel shitty opinions you're not going to solve anything or bring anyone together if you just erase things cover your eyes and pretend that they don't exist yeah because you were talking about that sometimes people don't care about the truth but Mm -hmm. the role of a comedian for hundreds of years is Mm -hmm. to to help people see the truth through a joke and to come to a place that they might not get to unless they were laughing yeah exactly and sometimes you say things that don't actually mean that you know it's satire or whatever People are just babies, you know, like, <laughs> they really but, are. But we can make a distinction, like Harvey Weinstein, mm-hmm. Michael Jackson. For sure, yeah. Canceled. Like, I right. won't listen to I mean, Beat look, It anymore. Yeah. Um, last I heard, Harvey Weinstein wasn't canceled for telling a bad joke. I mean, right, he, exactly. he did some There's really, you know, like, it's completely different. I think policing language is a very slippery slope. I, I don't like this new progressive culture where you want to silence people because it, it's just not right. That's that's, it's not what we should be about. Okay. What inspires you to do your comedy? I think comedy is like super important because everyone is so stressed out all the time and people are depressed and there's a lot going on. You know, you can't escape the news. Going to a comedy show is just it's just a time to let loose and chill and and laugh and that's so important. So. Even since I, since I was a kid, like, making people laugh is, is the coolest thing in the world to me. So, that's yeah, cool. that's it. Politically, it, it's, it's hard sometimes because it's, it's exhausting, um, as, as you know, um, as you both know. Um, it, it's exhausting, especially things that are going on in the country. You feel like you fight and fight and nothing's actually changing. Politically, I'm, I'm very inspired by the women who are my mentors, like Amy Quinn, Luann Peter Paul. I mean, 
they just, they don't stop. Like, they just, they go and they do all these things selflessly, and I don't think they sleep. <laughs> and whenever I feel tired or feel like I'm not making any waves, I think about, like, Luann Peter-Paul. She has done so much cool stuff for LGBT legislation and with marriage equality. Amy is, is changing the map of politics. She's the deputy really. mayor of Asbury Park. Amy Quinn is the deputy mayor of Asbury Park. Um, and even when I was, like, when I was, like, 20 and would just hang out in Asbury, I used to just look up to her. I'd be like, that, like, that chick is so cool. And, like, she's so confident. And as a young gay person, seeing that example and seeing someone just be so truthful and live so, live their truth like that uh, made a huge impression on me. And now I have the chance to, you know, be friends with her. And we, ha- we started a nonprofit, the Asbury Park Women's Convention. It, it's just, it's just cool. Like I, I literally just look to other people when I, when I feel down. And so talk about the, the women's convention. Cause that's coming up again this year. It is. It's, um, we set the date. Um, we went to Jared. <laughs> <laughs> that was so dumb. Uh, please edit that out. Um, <laughs> We're not. Yeah. Oh, Judy Gold's going to be so mad at wow. you. Wow. How dare you? <laughs> Yeah, March 15th, and this year we're doing something different, so um, it's basically going to be like, almost like a, like a, like a crawl. So like, Ooh. we, we realized that um, it's something like 80% of the businesses in Asbury Park are female owned, huh. which is insane. Like, that's so cool. And like, we're so proud of that. Um, and we want to showcase these businesses and these women who are amazing. So um, basically, like any business that wants to be a part of the convention can have some form of art or music or something and you know we're gonna map it out and we'll have like a whole crawl and then it will end at um the house of independence that'll be like the main show oh cool yeah it's gonna be really cool so (laughs) if someone wants to learn more about the women's convention how do they do that go to apwomensconvention.com and hopefully I will update the site by the time this airs. Now <laughs> <laughs> you got homework to do. Yeah. So talk, but talk more about like what what was the genesis behind the women's convention? What was that conversation like? The true story is that I had gone camping um, with with some friends for a weekend, and I was not sober, and <laughs> I was. Um, in a tent and I couldn't sleep. I was just staring up in a tent, not sober. And and I just, my brain started racing and I started thinking about we should do some kind of like women's conference in Asbury Park. And I, I, in my head, I was thinking big. I was thinking like, this could be like the Mecca of like women's conferences. Like, because Asbury is cool. Like Asbury's out there right now. I mean, Asbury was just on the VMAs. Like it's no joke. Like this town is, is, I think the best city in the world. So um, I started, you know, brainstorming and I texted Amy Quinn about it. And then she told me she had been thinking of something very similar. Basically, um, she was a liar and she stole my... No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, like truthfully, we, we were really on the same page. So we met about it. We got a drink at Johnny Max, and the rest is kind of, you know, history. We... Yeah, and then from there we we organized it. Yeah, I, re- I remember the first one. Uh, you were in it. I was in it. Yeah, that was mm-hmm. I. I think that's how we first met was was through the women's convention. I think we literally we, we met one time at a Mammoth Young Dems. Yes, thing, yes. Um, and I 
was so awkward because I like went I went there alone <laughs> and I walked in and I was so intimidated by all these like young people who were like so political and then I I, I met you and Kate and um I I thought you were you were just like so cool and then oh, I got to what know a you disappointment that I know and then I got then I got to know you and I was like she's a freak <laughs> but that was the first time I I met you guys and um. I actually, I think like my involvement in the community and in politics um, were due to a series of just putting myself out there, like being scared shitless, not knowing what I'm doing and just just showing up, showing up alone, you know, just just showing up. And and then then now I know everyone. It's like, it, it's crazy. I'm very upset you don't remember the first time we met because... <laughs> no, I now that you're talking about it, I do remember it. I do. <laughs> I mean, the world stopped <laughs> <laughs> when the millennial comedian and the millennial politician finally locked eyes. Finally. finally. Yeah. No, but how was that? How was planning that first women's convention, oh executing God. it? Like, what were your thoughts throughout the day? Were you so nervous the whole time? Like, what was that like? It was, it was intense. I mean, uh, we started planning it maybe like seven months ahead. Um, we went big for the first one. We had it at the Paramount Theater. Um, we had about a thousand women. Kim Guandano was was the big the big one. And the thing is, um, we got so much hate mail when we announced that she was going to be there from you know liberal women. And she was you know, the Republican. You know the most open minded of women. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. I mean the messages the messages we received were were scary, and people went like crazy. I remember I was actually in the movie theater with my mom watching the Black Panther and I had to leave the theater and just check my phone uh, <laughs> because we announced it right before the movie started, which was a bad move. She was like the, the big, big hitter. And truthfully, um, we got a lot of hate mail, but the second we announced her, we sold like 60 tickets right away. It was just, and I think that's, that's so indicative of, of how we, we should be you know, um, being a feminist, obviously Democrats vote generally for the right legislation for women. However, there are women Republicans and there are women who are undecided and there are women who just don't know or maybe have never voted. And we can't forget about them either. And I think that's what the Women's Convention is about. It's about being pro-women, you know, no matter what your opinion. For this one, though, for 2020, it's going to be like a crawl, like a... A women's crawl? A gal crawl? What are you going to call it? I mean, you, you literally can't participate unless you're on the ground crawling around the streets. Um, and if you I'm, stand, then you're out. Less you ableist. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Many people edit that out. I think that's pretty funny. You should keep that. Um, but like, so it's a crawl, but what is it like? What, are, what happens when you get to your destinations at these different businesses? Um, there's either going to be, you know, special sales or music or poetry. It's going to be a whole lot of stuff. And we're going to map out all the women-owned businesses. And, you know, you could do your own little tour <laughs> on your own time. I mean, we're going to have performances, but until the show at House of Independence, it's kind of just like, we ideally, I mean, we haven't, we haven't planned it all yet. We want, you know, the entire town to be participating in the women's convention you mentioned the house of independence so there'll be mm -hmm. a, a finale yes or, and what all that or you don't know yet or um we're still working out the details but it's gonna be you know pretty big we're gonna get some big names in there 
Kim Guadagno. <laughs> yeah. She'll be performing her guitar solo. Yes. Losing forward like Mariel and me. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get Sheila Oliver um, a keyboard. Yeah. And we're just going to take it from there. Sue Fulton on bass. Yeah. I, mean, Sue Fulton I can say Sue sing. Fulton yeah. on bass. Yeah. 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 Um, I have a tambourine in the back. Maybe a triangle? No. no. <laughs> you're you're, you're very your you're very D-list, Mariel. Come Aww. on, that's like A-list. Wow, Mariel D-list. I knew it was at least C-list, but D-list to Dado. Mariel D-list, the, the D-list politician. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, my 15 seconds are over, y'all. This podcast is how I stay relevant. Thank God you brought me on. Oh. <laughs> So, one of the things, you mentioned how Asbury Park is, is blowing up right now, and yeah. I think that's mm-hmm. the result of a lot of people putting in a lot of time and energy and good money. ideas. Money. Yeah. <laughs> Can't forget money. Mm-hmm. On the flip side, though, there's a lot of folks who criticize the development in Asbury Park, Absolutely. that it's not... Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not reflective of the whole community, yeah. and there seems to be a divide, right? Like crossing Absolutely. one side I mean, of the railroad tracks. There's always been a divide. Always. Right. Um, I mean, in the last few decades. I mean, my grandma grew up in Asbury. Yeah, it's definitely always been that way. But the thing that really, you know, at least in the '80s and '90s, the thing that really, I think even the '70s as well, the thing that that really kept people coming to Asbury was the Stone Pony and the art and the music. That's something that has always been in Asbury. So I think the most important thing is um, making sure that the culture of Asbury Park doesn't go away. The cost of living in Asbury has become insane. Like I, I can't live there without, you know, like a bunch of roommates. And I think if I didn't love the city so much, I, you know, I would make it work elsewhere. However, there's something special about it. And I think that's why People say. Are you pro-scooter or anti-scooter? <laughs> oh, the real question. I'm going to get a lot of shit for this, but I am so pro-scooter. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you saw, but I'm like, I was on the cover of the Asbury Park Press <laughs> on the scooter. Oh. Yeah. So for those who don't know, Asbury Park introduced uh, several months ago, mm-hmm. like, a, like a city bike, but for scooters, a scooter program. Mm-hmm. And not it's, everybody likes it's it. It's so great. Like <laughs> It's so awesome. I mean, when you think about it, parking in Asbury is more expensive than, you know, getting the scooter app and hopping on a scooter and and riding across town. The downside is that there are a lot of morons who ride them. So, like, they go in the street or they go the wrong way or they go on the sidewalk. And, like, even as someone who loves the scooters, I can't stand that. Just, like, if I'm walking down the sidewalk, I don't want to get hit by a scooter. So. Or crawling down the sidewalk. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Even more of a risk. Yeah, you got to be careful out there. <laughs> um, crawling around recklessly. That was very far. Yeah. So, I mean, I think um, they could be enforced a little better, but it just rolled out. Well, what do you what do you see for yourself in the next, like, five, ten years? Like, where are you going? I don't remember what I had for breakfast. <laughs> That's because I skipped breakfast. Um, and I just had lunch. How do you deal with haters? Um... Whether it's comedy or politics. If you put yourself out there, I think especially as a woman, because you have to be confident. And people don't like it. People don't like to see that. People don't like to see someone's face. They don't like to see, you know, my column every week. Um, I am out there. And no matter what I do, I can live perfectly. 
and I don't at all. <laughs> I don't live perfectly. But even if I did, people are going to hate me. It's just how it is. And when I first started getting, you know, press, when I started, you know, getting more involved in politics and comedy, it was really hard. Like, I would cry because people are just so mean. Like, people I don't even know sometimes will just, like, start harassing me online. And they don't know me, but they don't like me. And I don't know what I did or what they saw of me, but people can be really mean. And I think that they forget that just because, like, I have a column or because I perform in front of people that I'm still, like, a person. But, you know, I'm out there. And um, I think people, that makes me less human to some people. But I'm very human. <laughs> I'm super human. I'm super human. <laughs> and and um, for the longest time, though, it was so hard. It still is hard. I try to see it as a compliment because, I mean, no one could hate me more than I hate myself. So there's that. So that's a relief. Um, but also it, it's almost like a compliment. Like if people are talking about me, there's something about me that they, they can't get me off their minds. And if they're investing that much energy in me, it makes me want to do so much better because fuck you. <laughs> and, and, and that's really what it comes down to. So, so what, it, what, um, what advice would you give to a, a young girl or a young boy mm-hmm. or maybe whomever to a young mm-hmm. person? What advice would you give to a young person who wants to get involved in comedy? Do it. Go to an open mic. When you do it sooner than later, because you can only get better, and you're gonna bomb a lot at first. Just do it. Just get on the microphone as fast as you can <laughs> and do it. And. Uh, you might not even like it, or you might love it. But I think the thing about doing stand-up is that there are so many people who live their lives wanting to have done stand-up. And just do it, you know? You gotta do it. You gotta know. So thanks for listening today. If you'd like what you heard, you can subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you get your favorite podcasts of the week. With that said, my name is Marielle Dodato. I'm Vincent Salomino. I'm Jess Alamo. And this has been NJ Voices. Thanks for listening.